For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast, Lead Singer Syndrome. I am, of course, your host, Shane Told, back at it with one of the most requested guests of all time. He's finally on the program, Mr. Winston McCall of Parkway Drive. And this comes at a great time. They have a brand new album that just came out. It slaps. And Winston is just one of the nicest guys. Um, Don't know him super well, but I've stayed at his parents' house before. Hey, go figure. Uh, We get into all that and more. It's a terrific, terrific interview. uh, And it's a total treat to speak with him always. So very, very excited to bring that to you. Before we get into that, I want to thank everybody for listening last week with my conversation with Steven from Amber Lynn. And it's just a wonderful time to be doing a podcast. So thank you everybody for tuning in. Make sure you are subscribed. Hit that subscribe button, whatever you are listening to this on because uh, that makes a big difference. So check it out. I also want to tell you about the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. That really is what keeps the lights on around here. And we have an amazing community of other fans of the show. And maybe you want to join them and hang out with them and talk about music and other things. Plus, of course, you get access to so much bonus content, merchandise, and more. So head over to leadsingersyndrome.com slash access for all of the info. Right now, my band, Silverstein, we're on tour with our friends in the Amity Affliction, another Australian connection right there. The tour is absolutely kicking ass. I encourage you, if you are in the US or Canada and Toronto, Montreal, make sure you get a ticket. Come hang out with us. Also on the bill is Holding Absence and Unity Texas, some great newer bands. So vip.silversteinmusic.com. I think that is the link that'll take you to get tickets. General admission or VIP is all good. Would love to see you. They're going fast and we're having an absolute blast out here. 
That's about it. Enjoy this conversation. It's wonderful. Winston is wonderful. And I will see you at the end. Winston, thank you so much, dude, for doing this. I have wanted to have you on this show literally since I started, and we're finally doing it. Oh, really? Thanks, man. So thank you so much for 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 doing this. Oh, really stoked to be here. Thank you. Well, it's great. You know, we have a lot to talk about now, probably more than any other time um, we could have done this, right? So yeah, yeah, definitely history has piled up. <laughs> history has piled up. I love that, man. Um, well, thank you for making the time difference work. I know it's it's 8 p.m. here, Eastern Time in Canada, uh, 10 a.m. for you. Are you in uh, Byron Bay? Yeah, I'm in Byron. It's a nice day. Had my coffee already, slightly buzzing. Nice. Driving around, getting stuck into the band work is good. Definitely can't complain. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, fun fun fact for the people listening, I have slept at your house. <laughs> I don't know if it's still yeah, your, really? your well your parents' house. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, if this was just a regular thing, like every band yeah, came through, because yeah, it was <laughs> it was kind of cool. Like, um, we, this was our first time ever in Australia. It was back in two thousand five. And I knew you, you know, I knew your band. I think you guys were yeah. I mean, at least an album in at that point. I think, yeah, I think that would have been first album at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and yeah. And I think it was with, with Bronwyn and destroy all lines. Yep. And they were like, there you go, man. And we slept it literally in your parents, like garage on the floor. Yep. <laughs> Next, next to my bedroom, and which had a Silverstein poster in it. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nice, dude. <laughs> no, I, I, um, I remember seeing an early promo photo of you, like, or a promo photo or a stage photo of you wearing a Silverstein yep. shirt, and I was like, literally That's our sick. first promo photo ever. Done by our friends, like sitting next to it, like standing in front of our car. Yeah, man. <laughs> I was thinking about that when we were going to do this. And yeah. that's, and like, that was special too. I mean, not only like, I, you know, we don't always get that love. Um, like we're not a cool band's band all the time. Like, you know, you see people wearing like a Converge shirt, like, you know, something like yeah. that. Like everybody wears that, like something like that. Right. But um, we never really had that before. And also because back then you're in Australia, we'd never toured there. Yeah. You must've had to mail order that shit, right? <laughs> oh yeah, man. Dude, dude, not uh, like, yeah. When we started as a band, like <laughs> it was like mail, mail order at best. Yeah. And um, there was like one record store in Australia, like resist records oh, is yeah. the place you went to get anything. So like you do like a yearly pilgrimage down to resist. to so, like right. either pick up the records that you'd wanted to get, or to get merch of any kind and you just hope there'd be like a sweet band shirt or something. And then, no, that shirt, I, I definitely mail-ordered. I can 100% remember that. That's, so, yeah, that's yeah, amazing. It's like, it was weird. Like growing up as a, as a, like a hardcore kid in Australia, um, it was really like, there was a long period of time where it was just like, not even mail-ordering it from a distro, like writing to 10-yard fight and going, hey man, I like it. I like your tape. Can I get some stickers? <laughs> yep. So, yep. Send the so, self-addressed yeah. stamped envelope to yeah, yep, Re Revelation it. Records or whatever, and hopefully yep, they throw a couple stickers it. in there. That's right, man. Yep. No, but but you know, it's actually really your, your parents were just so cool. Like they, uh, we still talk about them. Actually, we had such a great experience at your house, and and I remember your dad made me avocado toast, and I actually yeah. had never had avocado toast before until that until that moment. <laughs> It wasn't, hey, people are going to laugh, but like 2005, it wasn't really that popular yet. Like avocado yeah. was in, avocado was like in guacamole and sushi and that was like about it. So, <laughs> I mean, maybe not in Australia. I don't know, but it was. That's so weird, man. But I remember it's, it vividly. Um, he was like, I'll make you a snack. You look a little hungry <laughs> and uh, absolute sweethearts, your parents. So, uh, so thank yeah, you for that. Oh, our pleasure. And like, <laughs> they, yeah, they did. It was, it was interesting because it first started out as like, us and bands that we were on tour with or friends right. bands that were like that would stay, would stay at my parents place and then it evolved beyond that where yeah like we'd be out on tour and they'd be like oh we've got like uh half of the hope conspiracy here and like we got superstein and evergreen terrace are coming through like in a couple of months time they're gonna stay here as well and like it was like all right we're not even here now they're just like 
housing bands and they're stoked. So <laughs> yeah, it was really rad. Like it's a, there's a, there's so many bands around the world that I'm still like in contact with that have stayed at my parents and have really nice um, memories of that. And then bands that like I didn't even realize did stay there on just like a tour through with my parents becoming friends with bands who <laughs> they were just friends with the bands, not even through me. They were just like, oh, Miles Away is playing like down at Youth Center tonight. We're going to go say hi to them. We haven't seen them in ages. We're going to see what the pit's like and then uh, they're going to stay with like Come Back Kid or something like that. And um, yeah, it was a really nice evolution. Like they were always uh, an integral part in the scene, which a whole bunch of parents in our towns were like, like Byron is a small, like, as you, as you know, Byron's yeah. a, a small town and the scene was very, very like, it was run by kids and supported by the kids' parents for like putting people up to stay because there was not really accommodation in the town at that point in time. It wasn't like touristville, which it is now. No. So yeah, so it was a strange time to be alive, but it, it still resonates, which is really cool. Well, you know, coming from, you know, from my perspective, just being a guy from North America, Canada, going to Australia for the first time, like I knew, you know, I'd heard of Sydney. I'd heard of Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, Brisbane was a place I'd heard of, uh, maybe. Well, you know what I mean? It's like, yep. I didn't know much about it. I, I didn't pay much attention. I certainly yeah. never heard of Byron Bay. Um, yeah. I knew Parkway Drive was from Australia, but I didn't, you know, you don't realize like where everything is and how everything nah. works. But yeah. what struck me right away is like, we were playing, you know, in all the major cities, which are, you know, which are Adelaide. I get, well, Adelaide, the, the ones yep. I mentioned in Adelaide and Perth, there's like yep. five, right? And then the yep. only other show we were playing was in Byron Bay. <laughs> And it like really struck me right away, though, that there was something special going on with yeah. the hardcore community that we stayed on, you know, on your parents' floor, that you guys were from there, that there was that youth yeah. center and that there was a real movement. So talk to me about growing up in Byron Bay and then how did you kind of discover, you know, punk rock or hardcore or, or local music or whatever it was that kind of started your, your journey down this, this very long road? Oh man, it's a long road. So here we go. Um, <laughs> if you haven't got a snack at this point in time and haven't gone to the bathroom, I'm warning you now. Like this is the lobby call. <laughs> Let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves some snacks because like Winston it. doesn't shut up. <laughs> I love it. No, it's okay. I all love right. it. So I'll throw you. I'll throw you back because this all it all ties into basically the way we grew up in this town. Like when you say Byron Bay is a small town, it's a small, small town. Like. Um, there, I think, is the population was about 5,000 when we were kids wow. growing up. And by kids, I mean like high school. Uh, it was t it was tiny. Like it was the place we wanted to get out of and go to the city because there was just nothing for for really kids. It was like established as this town that was like this, this rural farming community and like a whaling town that um, had some really – like it's stunningly beautiful and, uh, and basically some hippies decided that – that was the place to be and just to be surfer bums because the waves were really good. Right. So they like they moved to Byron and um, subscribed to that lifestyle, like no real jobs, like <laughs> living off the government, setting up like a, a basic community that was here, which turned into like the evolution of the town, which was basically like it was tourism and that was kind of it on a very minor scale. Very, very minor scale. So yeah. we grew up with kind of nothing. No, like there's a couple of pubs. There was nothing to do if you were a kid. You just like roamed the streets, got hammered, um, and then like tried to move away or ended up a deadbeat living in the caravan park, which is what a lot of people did. Um, so the first interaction we kind of had with, with punk rock music and that kind of stuff was on the surfing movies we were watching because right. like our parents were surfers and they all grew up throwing us in the ocean <laughs> and we just lived for it. Like we went to school, sucked at school, but just wanted to surf a lot. And then like in the nineties, um, Taylor Steele especially was just cramming all of his surfing movies with like Epitaph and fat records, right. and, like, bur yep. burning heart. And like, yep. it was just like nineties, like hardcore slash skate punk. And that was like, that's what you soundtracked your life to because that's what made you want to surf. Um, so we basically like people started like local punk bands. Like there was one local punk band, which our guitarist Luke was in called Think Straight. Um, and they played for a few years, literally just playing like, here's a house party and like it's a local hall. We'll put on a gig so 10 of our mates can come and like sing along and right. a couple of them can be drunk out front. <laughs> and that was it. But um, slowly that changed, that punk rock changed from 
that into hardcore and it got slightly heavier because like i guess the edge got worn off listening to just like skate punk for a long time you kind of want something that's got a bit more thrill sure um and it was bands originally it was like some euro bands as well like raised fists 59 times the pain stuff like that right, right. um misconduct which like oh yeah it was just a bit faster and a bit heavier yeah yeah there's there was always those bands like like either some of the first ones that that kind of took me out of the world like one was good riddance because they were, yeah, you know, had a yep. little bit of screaming, yep. and, and 88 Fingers Louie was another yep, one. Yep. Um, strung abs- out, strung out, yeah, a little bit. They didn't have as much screaming, but but totally no, like didn't. like the, when you had the more hardcore influenced yeah. um, stuff, Big Wig a little bit, if you remember that band. Yeah. But no, yeah, I, absolutely. Sure. And and then I remember Misconduct. I saw them play one time. I think I have a, I think I yeah. have a Misconduct. They turned into a ska band kind of thing. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I totally but, know what yeah. you mean though about about how you you know you kind of. You're always looking for like the next thing, you know, the next yeah, extreme that's it, that's thing, it. right? Yeah, especially when you're like you're like 15 or yeah. 16 kind of yeah. things. Like yep. these musical transformations, which like at the time you thought went on for years, like, oh my right. God, now I'm into a different thing because I was into something so long ago. You're like, that was probably like six months. I know, I know, it's <laughs> so true. Yeah, but the thing with that was like hardcore all of a sudden was accessible and raw. It was the it was the music style where like a year before that like Warp Tour rolled through Australia for the first time and we like we got to see Pennywise and like Blink One Eighty Two and you know who was on that God Unwritten Law mm-hmm. like all of these bands which we would always listen to and we got to see them right in front of our face but it was still on a big stage and it was like in the local football field and um like it was on Blink Dude Ranch like right before they blew up kind of thing and yeah, then yeah. seeing them blow up you're like they're still like, they're still a, a, like you're looking up at these people and you're still behind a barrier at a festival. Hardcore came along and we're like, whoa, this is not only is it super intense and giving us that extra hit, but they're singing about things which like actually matter. And there's this passion in it that is like, it's not just like teenage, I'm jacking off in a tree kind of shit. Right. All of a sudden yeah. lyrics started clicking. Yeah. And then also like we started like seeing like VHS of like shows and you're like, it's people on stage, man. Like people are grabbing the microphone. The dude singing doesn't actually sing. He's just like screaming raw emotion. Right. And it all clicked in this really personal way that like that was the next evolution. And from that, like we like Think Straight became a hardcore band. We started going to their shows as much as we could and started trying to put on shows. And um, eventually, like Graham Nixon from Resist Records, who, like yeah. I said, we, like not only was it the, the the record store, but it was like a label yep. and a tour a touring a touring operation. Like sent a Sydney band called The Relevant up to Australia, up to Byron Bay, um, and that was like Luke Luke. Our guitarist put that on with uh, one of our friends called Brendan Parks, and that was like the first touring band that ever allowed an all-ages show in our town. And we put it on in a hall, and there was like a 100 kids circle-pitting like nonstop the entire show. It was just absolute madness. We're like, oh, my God, there's a gig in this town that's not just at a pub. Like, we can get into this thing. It's like an all-ages event. And from that point on, like – every kid in the town was behind it because it was the first thing which was accessible to the youth in our town. Like before that, it was like, right. I think 59 times the pain had come through town um, and some punk bands and they were on at the pub and you couldn't go. You literally sat out, right. sat out the back and tried to listen through the window. <laughs> uh, so, so like as soon as it was all ages, like that was in our hands. Yeah. And from then on, we we're like, we're putting these things on. So yeah. even if it was like, like bands starting to play in our town, we'd put it on ourselves in whatever venue we could until no venues would have us. Like they'd put on a show and then they'd see what had happened at the show and be like, we're not doing that again. You're not allowed to play here again until the youth center rolled around. Like when we hit up the youth center and they're like, yeah, of course you can do it. Kids doing shows for kids. Sick. And we started just booking them ourselves and that's how it rolled, man. Like it just rolled like, it started up as this small thing with like a hundred kids at best. And then like uh throwdown came to town. <laughs> <laughs> there <laughs> like, we go. Like throwdown came to town on um, you don't have to be blood. And like, that was right. Like that was when basically the zeitgeist of like worldwide hardcore 
caught up to like Australia touring it at the time. And it was like, it was Throwdown and an Australian band called Day of Contempt, who were the biggest yeah. hardcore band in Australia at that yeah. point in time, like absolute heroes. And fuck, I think Think Straight played that show and I can't remember who else, but like, we, it was on at the youth center and it's like, it's sold out like only because we couldn't fit more people sure. in the venue. Like it was literally like kids on top of kids on top of the stage, climbing up the walls, hanging from the rafters, like kids from like all over the place, just cramming into this thing. Absolute chaos, like now, absolute madness. <laughs> now what's, what's really interesting that strikes me right away about this is like, and I just looked up the Wikipedia of Byron Bay cause I, cause I was like, the population's really that low. As of 2016, that's the last census, 9,200 yeah. people. So it's still yeah. a really, really small town, which is crazy. Yeah. But but that's special though, man. That's that's special yeah. for yeah. that to happen. And and we had a similar thing going on in the in the suburbs of Toronto um, yeah. when I was growing up too, with, with we had, you know, my band in Alex on Fire and and Boys Night Out and Monine and you know, um, Billy yeah. Talent came out of the kind of came out of the area. So we had a really good scene too. And I didn't really realize it until I started touring that yep. how special it was. <laughs> Did that happen to you too when you started started going around? Oh, big time, big time. Because like it's it is really that thing where when it's when it's when it's built from passion and not necessarily history as well. When you're writing history from the ground up, as kids, you kind of just like this is sick, but you're also kind of super competitive as well. So like it's um you you you'd go it wasn't until you we went on tour with um like with our friends and with like I killed the prom queen for the first time and we went to a big city and we're like yeah this is a show like in a club that is dedicated to putting on shows but it's nowhere near as nuts as that show that we put on right. <laughs> in that little shed <laughs> and that was when it kind of started really clicking and like it's when the feedback from like from the bands who we were touring with from overseas who would come to town were like yo, what you've got here is really, really rad. And yeah. then it became a staple on yeah. like the Australian international touring circuit. Like you said, like Which it was brings like, us back. Think, exactly what we yeah, started this it, is why I was there my first time ever in Australia it. in a town of 5,000 people. It's wild. Yeah, man. It's, it's and the crazy. Show, and the show was awesome. Yeah, that's the thing. We'd have <laughs> like, it was that special little thing that, that you really realize as, as well when you start touring, when you play those shows personally and you're like, you play a bunch of capital cities and then you'll rock up to a show in what's like a B market or something like that. And you walk into a room and you're like, there's no stage. There's uh, wires hanging out of the roof. There's no AC. Right. And there's like one <laughs> set of can lights in the corner. You're like, this is either going to be really weird or it's going to be absolutely mental. And when it's one of the mental ones and you're like, I can't breathe. There's concrete dust in my lungs. There's two kids on my head. I'm stuck <laughs> at the bottom of a dog pile of kids singing along. You're like, yeah, this is sick. <laughs> exactly, man. No, exactly. That's, that's amazing, man. Yeah. Um, well, I love I love that little piece of Byron Bay history, and it's funny. I love that I'm a some a, some part of it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, um, of course you are, man. I, I love Dude. that, or at least that I was able to experience it. Because I mean, I don't know what it's like anymore. Obviously, COVID it has exist. been it just doesn't exist. Just doesn't. It exist. doesn't exist. That's the crazy thing as well. Like it's I, we have chats as well. We're like it was really it was this thing that went on for probably ten years. Like we put on the shows and then and then taught some kids younger than us to put on shows when Parkway started touring overseas. Like we basically just passed the baton on and it lasted for a long time. But then um, that style of music kind of like streaming took off and then like, damn streaming, you killed everything. Yeah. But I swear like as, as, as streaming became available and music, like I'm saying it held less venue value. It became more transient, like the tastes that people had. Um, it kind of just like the next generation after that kind of didn't really take it up. Right. And um, it just kind of, it kind of fell, fell away. And like, I don't know what the, I don't know what them damn kids started listening to. But, I don't know. Uh, it's honestly probably yeah, not like, even, it just, it's probably not even yeah. music. Sorry to interrupt you. It's probably no. not even music. It's probably just other shit. Like just people yeah, on man. their, people being on their cell phones and you know what I mean? Just, it, was just, it, just, it was just a different yeah. time back then. So it, 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 just it. Was. it was a different time and it was a different place. And the thing is, it makes it that more precious looking back on it as right. well. Yep. And like the thing is, I'm sure it could start up again and could, completely matter 100% but I just I'm just not sure like the wild thing in general is like 
that scene in this in this town kind of died away. The people who are still involved in it still listen to music. There's still pe- like hardcore kids in this town who are doing bands. They just don't play like in Byron in the way that they used to. Um, but that's, yeah. I mean, that's what it is. And the entire scene kind of just exploded in this country in a in a way that no one really saw coming. So it kind of, yeah, it just went on to different levels in different places. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, let's talk about some things going on, some happenings going on with you right now. Yeah. We have a brand new Parkway Drive album coming out September 9th. Epitaph yeah. Records, baby. Skate punk legends still putting out putting out records. Still, man. Um, yeah, I love that. I, I'd love to talk about the relationship with Epitaph later on, but not right now. Sure, it's called Darker Still. Um, already released two singles as of as of speaking to you. Um, tell me about this record. I, I understand it was a hard record to make. It took a lot of energy. It took a lot of time, um, but it's finally coming out. So we got we're one 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 month to the day right now. Yeah, dude. Um, Here's another sit around the campfire long Winston talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, God, where do I even start with this well, one? Well, let's let's so, let's do this. Let's start with COVID, and, and I know yeah, it's a little cliche, yeah. but it's it's important. Oh, I mean, you guys have yeah. only played one show right since yeah. COVID. Yep, uh, I know it. you you canceled the US tour, and you have a European tour yep. coming, which is which is yep. going to be great. But let's go back to that point then, and kind of you know coming out of the last record. Um, and then, you know, touring on that and then, and seeing, you know, kind of where the band was and how COVID affected yeah. the, the writing of this. Oh man. Um, it's really weird. Uh, so basically I'll, I'll say this to start with, uh, if we had have written a record and COVID didn't exist, it would sound completely different from okay. what this record actually okay. is like, like straight up. I don't want to like as, as cliche as it would be to go, this is a COVID record. I'm like, there is no denying that what has happened as a result of that um, and as a result of what's going on still is like is directly linked to the art that's come out of it. Now, what, what basically running up to COVID, we started as a band like 17 years before, played our first gig and then didn't stop from there. Like we were fully engaged with this band as our life for 17 straight years within the cycle of creating art, recording art, yeah. putting it on the stage, in, like living it, then going back into the creation process once that has kind of like settled a little bit. Well, let me let and, me um, agree with you. I'm not trying to cut yeah. you off, but let me agree with yeah. your point because I remember vividly we were in Europe and I saw a Parkway Drive ad mat with the dates on it. And you were out, you were over there for like three and a half weeks with zero yeah. days off, zero yeah. Zero. And I was like, that is psycho. Those guys are crazy. <laughs> no days yeah, off man. for three three weeks or more. Yeah. Yeah. We just went hard because like it was, uh, it, the thing for us was, it was, we always, we toured and we played for a very long time. Like this was a thing which was going to vanish if we took our eyes off it. Uh-huh. Because like, it's like, especially like, you're in a good position to know, like you, you've, you've gone through Byron and you know how small it is and you know how strange it is that a scene existed there. The concept of us growing to where we have has always seemed like this, this is not correct. Like the maths do not add up on what is going on here. And this, like at some point in time, the penny's going to drop for everyone. And they're going to be like, you don't belong here. What are you doing? I'm not coming to a show again. So it took us like 10 years to own it. Classic imposter syndrome, I guess, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. One hundred percent. You, you add that to like the Australian notorious tall poppy syndrome and you've got basically an inability to own the fact that like you're putting a lot of work in and you kind of know what's going on. <laughs> so, so yeah, you, you roll like eventually like 10 years later, we, we changed our opinion and, and started actually developing ourselves, which was awesome as people, um, which became a lot healthier, but, but rolling into COVID, like we, um, it was, yeah, 17 years nonstop, this snowball of momentum, which had, had never stopped. And, um, we just made, and we're just about to release like our third documentary, um, Viva the Underdogs, which was like it had charted the last like two years of our lives, which like culminated in us headlining Vakken in Europe, which is just 
bonkers. Like right. <laughs> it's just insane. Like, yo, you're headlining like an 80 to a hundred thousand person festival, like no bullshit. You're just straight up headliner of that day. And the show being the best show we'd ever played in our lives. And us going, Oh my God, like what the hell is going to happen next? <laughs> nothing can stop this snowball. Like if, if, if it's nothing stopped it yet, nothing can stop this. And then it's like, bam, COVID. Not only are you not touring, but the entire music industry is just thrown in the trash by every single government around the world. <laughs> like wow. first thing to get shut down, the last thing to get like any kind of help and the last thing to be like let back out. And it was very obvious from like six months in that shit was basically just fucked. Like we're like, yeah, okay we're done. Like it was really obvious in the way that everyone was talking within the media that if there was going to be um, an industry that got any help, it was not going to be the arts industry. And it definitely was not going to be the music industry because like, God forbid two people sing next to each other and catch a disease. Like, I know, fuck. I know, right. It was, so, which was just sad. Like that's the thing, but it was the, it was like forced retirement basically. But we were in this position where we already knew that we were going to write an album. Um, and all of a sudden we're like, well, we don't want to be like a bunch of our friends who had written an album a year before and we're just about to drop it. And like, you know that touring means the world to like the way that that art is absorbed and where it's going to live and how it's going to like fuel you as a, as a, an income, especially, your, <laughs> but especially your band, because you've yeah. stepped up, you know, we can talk about your production, but you know, just how much you've stepped up your sh yeah. live show where you yeah. know, your fans like, sure. They're listening to your records and they're, and they're listening to, they're reading your lyrics and they're taking yeah. that away from it. But the, the, you know, the real, the real payoff is seeing the band live. That's it. 100%. And it's always been that way. That's the thing. Like yeah. we were a live band before we ever put anything down on tape. <laughs> so yeah. So, so like we're left in that position where we're like, all right, we're going to write a record. Um, but you might not ever get to play this on stage again. Like it, this was right at the turning right. point where people started catching on to the fact that this was not going to be like a couple of months and yeah. it's back to normal. We're like, no, this is going to be years. This is going to be years before something is happening. And if it's going to be years and you like, it might never come back. Like we, we might literally never be allowed on the stage again. And this is the last record you ever get the chance to make because the industry is just down the drain. What do you do? And at that point in time, we were like, there's obviously been goals for this band in terms of the expansion of our sound, like the expansion of our sound, what we're interested in, pushing it's it's a constant push forwards we're not like revisionists when we don't like doing things over again we we don't like like we've always kept our roots very firmly grounded where we are but the whole idea is to grow grow as big and as far as you can because it's interesting um but the way you grow when you're in an environment where you haven't been playing like a song that you've played a thousand nights in a row or standing on a stage and having that interaction with the crowd in like this really like give and take emotionally, emotionally charged and energetic feeling. All of a sudden you're just at home isolated and you're left with the music that you're creating with three guys in a room. That's a completely different ball game when it comes to where your imagination is sent. It's like completely clean slate, but with 20 years of history, 20 years of retrospection, 20 years of like evolution of skill to go, what really is the next step? And for us, it was like, it's not just a step. Like we're literally just going to leap into the void of unlimited time right? and, um, and drive ourselves to be as creative as possible. And that's what the record was born from. It was just like every wormhole we could go down, every corner we could take and like, well, maybe, it, maybe we should go here with that. Maybe we should try this riff. Is that riff good enough? Like, is this weird enough? Is this not? Like, is this not standard enough? Like, how is this thing going to work out? And it's all created within like this bubble of COVID and watching society burn in front of our eyes and the, the divides and the realities of human nature and everything that we've held up as like, no, this is, this is the best that life can be. Democracy is fantastic. Like, <laughs> civilization is great. You're like, nope, you know what? All it takes is one little virus and you really see like humanity come to the forefront and it is 
dark and ugly as hell. Um, Isn't that interesting? You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And at the same point in time, like I'm coming off the back of the lyricism behind reverence, which was very much like a grieving record. Um, And I was like, this ain't getting any lighter, huh? Like <laughs> life is not like, like I was, I'm waiting for like the light at the end of the tunnel of like this process. And it was the snap of like, it doesn't get lighter. Like the, it just gets darker. Like it get life gets darker still. That's it. Very long fucking tunnel. Yes. Yeah. And, <laughs> but, the, but the thing for me was with the whole process was it was about the realization of of the darkness being ever present. It's always been there. It's just, right. you're protected from it. And that's what society is. It's a protection and it's, it's guardrails from the baser darkness of human nature that we're always told to just kind of ignore to agree for the greater good or whatever the hell it is. Um, and this was a time where everything was just laid very, very bare. And, um, that's kind of the journey which the album goes on and it goes on it through the lyrics and through the perspective that I'm giving of what I'm seeing and feeling at that point in time. And through the music, like the music, is dark and and the beauty of it is in the darkness that's the thing like i find it to be the most expansive work we've done um and contains so much more than anything this band has ever put down but encapsulates everything like everything this band was capable of in the best way possible um without having to like dust it with sugar right so yeah that's kind of that's kind of the story behind it it's it's interesting i i I heard that you read and you write every day. Yeah. Um, and that's something important, you know, for probably, probably more for you, right? I mean, your mental health yeah. and, and your, your own thoughts and your own brain. Um, yeah. But when something like this happens where you're sidelined side from the thing that you are used to doing, which is touring all the time mm. or, or going from, from touring to, to writing, to making a record, you know, rinse, rinse and repeat. Um, did you find your writing and your reading maybe changed? Uh, and you found different kind of things coming to the forefront. And is that present in the lyrics on this record? Um, like, did you find a different, maybe a different tone um, mm, in terms of your, in terms of your writing? Yeah. I don't know about tone. Like it's a constant, it is a constant evolution for me. I find like I'm fascinated by communication and I'm fascinated, like I'm fascinated by, by art and music, especially because it's, it's the thing which I find can communicate in, in abstractness and in the world of imagination to create something that is beyond just the languages that we have established. Mm -hmm. And it's those, those realms where you hit something which resonates within like humanity on a whole that passes beyond like the simple, like binary forms of communication, which we come up with like a common form of communication of English language or like Japanese language or German language, like the things which we just speak to get get through every day. When you burrow down to the core of what what the human experience is, it is so vast that you kind of just laugh at the concept of just the way that we structure everything. Because when you feel or you you observe or you partake in art that taps into just human emotion you realize that there are there are elements which you can't touch on that you can't truly um articulate with just a, a simple sentence or something like that um and when you string a bunch of when you happen to string a bunch of words together with a rhythm and a and a musical backing mm -hmm. into a way that all of a sudden it, it's like it opens the door to to like this different realm um, so that's the thing that's always fascinated me about my, like about writing. And that's why I write. It's not necessarily so much to like, it's about capturing the emotion, but also trying to articulate an emotion, which I have not been able to like articulate it pro properly previously. It's like turning this prism until the light hits hmm. just right. Right. And it's just like, and it's, and the, and the rainbow that shoots out really actually like, the light refracts in that one perfect way to to make it all make sense. So that's constantly what I'm what I'm kind of trying to do. And it's it's for me, it's less about like sitting down and going today. I'm just going to put down like a stream of conscience, or I'm going to put down like some rhyming couplets or something. I do that a lot just to like keep like 
the blade sharp, basically. Right. Yeah. Like to, to keep the blade sharp because I'm I constantly want to be at the top of my game with that. But most of the time it's like something will just pop into my brain through the ether and I'll be like, shit, I've got to put that down because if I forget it, I'm never getting that back. Right. And it came to me for a reason. And some of the times it's just like nonsense but some of the times like i'll i'll come back to reading through things that um like in my my phone or my book or whatever that there's just like days of writing and i'll go back through it and i'll be like what the hell was that like what space was i in when that came to me because i can't imagine ever picking that thought again but it really like it'll just jump straight back out at me in a very vivid way yeah and and that's it. Like a lot of the time, like I'll say it's 50, 50 with the songs that get written and put on a record between something that is written from the inspiration of the music that is happening and the time and space that we're in and something where the music will jump out or I'll bring something to the guys where I'm like, here is this, this thing which happened with the words that I can't like, I've got some basic melodies for it, but I, I can't do it any differently from this. It has to exist in this form. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's a strange, a very strange process, but, um, I mean, I never learned how to play piano or guitar. I can't read music. I can't really create music other than than the basic melodies which work around like what I know how to do, which is vaguely sing. Um, and that's my expression. So that's what I like. That's what my what my passion is. My passion are in the words just as much as they're in the way that I like throw them out there and right. the way that it goes with the music. Right. No, thank you for explaining that. I mean, your music has gone a lot of gone through a lot of stylistic changes. Um, yeah. you know, over the years, it's you know, it's kind of like you have an old sound and a new sound up to a point. Oh I yeah, think you're you're yeah. Okay, I'm glad you're 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 agreeing with me. Um, and yeah. I, I'm sure that that's polarizing for your fan base. But in yeah. in some ways, you know, the the new stuff it's it's a little bit it's a lot more refined. And I yeah. don't know if that's where that comes from. If that's a shift in your influences, like you know, you were throwing out all the old hardcore bands that influenced you, you know, of that time, you know, in Byron Bay and all that. Yeah. But a lot of the, you know, influences now, they seem like maybe they're the more old school influences, like the, you know, more yep. of the, the, the Metallica's and yep. uh, thrash metal from that. Now, how did exactly did that happen? Was that a, a conscious decision to kind of go down that ro that road? And also vocally, I mean, you, you, you're putting yourself really just a lot more under the microscope vocally um, yep. You know, not just relying on a lot of your early stuff, just being screaming as hard as you can. Yeah. Um, and I find that it's really interesting because it brings, you know, a lot of the, the cleaner singing you do, it brings out the lyrics a lot more. It You yep. kind of feel the emotion of them a little bit more. Yep. And I find that as a lyricist, you're fearless these days. You, yeah. you oh, say geez, things, you. you say things like, like one of my favorite lyricists and love him or hate him um, is Morrissey. And, and yeah. Mor Morrissey always had a way of of saying things in sort of a very articulate, simple way, but a, a way that no one really ever said that before. Yeah. Even though it's very, it's very simple, very fucking easy to understand what he's saying, what he's talking about, but it's it, it doesn't necessarily need to be the most uh, vague, poetic. What does this even yep. fucking mean? Drivel. Yep. And you're finding exactly. a way with your new music to really be able to do that, which I which I admire, and I, it's not easy to do that. No, man. And that's part of my journey. Like, oh shit, here's the thing. Like everything you've said, like you've kind of hit the nail on the head with it. The story behind it all, because there is kind of a, uh, an, an, an explanation to it all is, is interesting. It's almost like a reverse engineering of, of the band's progress in terms of, I guess the most extreme in terms of aggressive sound that we've ever had has been the, like the first incarnation of this band. Like the first couple of years of this band were built on extremity in terms of just abrasiveness. It was like, right. we will create something that is accessible to us, but is just beyond our reach as, um, as of what we were doing at the time. So it's like dragging in technicality to a degree that, We'd never attempted as people and forming this band called Parkway Drive, grabbing uh, a guitarist who we'd never played with in our town um, called Jeff, who was our lead guitarist, who whose main influence like his has been from day one Metallica. It was like he was listening to like Metallica and Machine Head and Pantera and stuff like that. And we were like, yo, 
we've seen you at like hardcore shows. You were in the pit when Throwdown were playing. You want to like do this like hardcore slash metal crossover band <laughs> and him going, yeah, sick. I've never been in a band before. Awesome. Let's do that. <laughs> um, and the, and those influences of like where the metal lay was always in those areas, but they were pushed through the prism of what was accessible to us at the time. And like, it's one thing to be influenced by bands like, yeah, the literally some of the greatest bands on earth, let alone within the genre that you're playing and trying to actually create or understand how that music is created. Like there was no, there was no relationship for, for us. It was like, it wasn't even six degrees of separation. It was like that existed in a stratospheric realm where the bands that we're looking up to, we connect with because we can understand kind of how that riff was written or how that vocal is happening because it's not even being sung. It's just being screamed. Like right. I can scream. I don't even sing, but I can scream. Like my voice will disappear, but I can scream <laughs> sick. I can, I can, I can play some breakdowns and I can like write some noodly riffs because like all I got to do is move my fingers kind of fast. It doesn't necessarily, don't necessarily understand the soul behind what drives truly timeless music, but I know aggression. And I know right. like teen and that was what, what drove us at the start. And over the years, it's become that thing where you, as you grow as people and you, as you grow as musicians and you start to connect more and start to understand the nuances behind um, these songs and these styles that have existed and been held aloft for so long. And you really understand beyond the fact of like, that's a sick song, really, really understanding why, what, what are the bones of it? What is the soul of it that has created this amazing piece of music? You realize why those influences were there for you in the first place. And then you start to gravitate towards those styles of, of playing and those styles of expression. And that goes across the board from like the drums to the guitars, to the bass, to the vocals, all of it. Like we've all been on this journey. Um, and that's kind of been it right up until we wrote, this record because it's been the entire thing, uh, the entire journey of this band has just been like, it's, it's just been a creative like push of every time you do something to refine, like refinement is exactly the word because we've right. tried to refine what we love about this band from day dot and refine that in a way that allows us to bring in more of all of those understandings that we have of everything outside of what we knew previously. And those understandings take us further off into like the territories this, that this band hadn't stepped foot in. And every time like you do one of those steps, two years later when you write another album, those steps are now like refined and in the comfort zone. Like that's, so you take another step and you take another step and you constantly keep moving. And it is a lot of the time, about figuring out why less is more, why right. it is actually harder to create something simplified than it is extrapolating to the nth degree and layering a whole bunch of stuff on there just for the sake of putting it on there and just going, wow, there's so much in there. Like there's just heaps in there. Awesome. The words are so technical. Like there's, there's words in there. I have to look up in the dictionary. Right. Like, That's great. But right. yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean like it accomplishes something of quality like and that's the that's the lyrical journey exactly like for me uh, one of the massive things has been figuring out how to sing less and st and say more like sing less and connect more is a is a huge huge challenge when you're used to just going here's three and a half minutes of fury go mental over the entire thing and make people think oh my god i can't believe he can do that with his voice and that was like the only goal of the start sure no and that and that comes from you know like you you talked about the imposter sy syndrome you know that that yep. that that's just like oh we have to show everybody that we can we can play fast too you know that's and it. i can scream and we can rock out harder or as hard as yep. the other bands and everything and then at some point you sort of realize like no one cares like why am i doing this you know especially if i'm not feeling it and yep. yeah and sometimes that takes a long time and you know yeah, i think man. you're probably about 40 now right i'm literally turning 40 in three weeks yeah 
Oh, well, good. Congratulations. Um, yeah, yeah I, get to, I get to spend my 40th birthday doing like rehearsals in a, in a warehouse to take out <laughs> back of Germany. <laughs> ah, that'll be, that'll be good. Yeah. They'll, yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll get, I'm sure they'll get you a cake or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, um, no, but I mean, my point is just that I think when you do get to this age and I'm 41, you do just start to feel more comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's, that's a really, and that's a really important thing. And I think something that younger people, they, you can't really, you can't really explain that until, until, no. you, you know, until like you, you experience it yourself. And I yeah, think that that's that, it. I think that that's a, probably a big part of why you guys have oh, oh, gone down this road. And it goes, it goes back to exactly what you said, the imposter syndrome. Like we, we all pinpointed it. Like it's year 10 of the band is when that fell away. And it was a very, very conscious choice um, to, to acknowledge the fact that like, it's a hard thing to own success. Like it's, it's, it's a hard thing to also not let it go to your head. But I mean, man, like it's, it, it, there's a lot of things that fed into it in the, with the, with the band, like being where we came from and all of those kind of things as well. But like, it just took a very long time to realize that the people that, connected with us genuinely connected and they, and they weren't going away and for all the people that were like it's very easy to gravitate towards negativity as well as well like every time you put out a record like like literally after the first record came out the second thing that we put out you have someone going this isn't as good as the first thing and you're like oh shit isn't it oh fuck oh my god my world is ending and it takes a long time to realize that just people have music taste <laughs> and that's that's fine. And you do as well. Like that's not the end of the world for sure. But like, yeah, at year 10, like I, I got to a point where I got a camera shoved down my throat to like, we started playing, like it's when we started headlining, like a few festivals and like, we're playing like a couple of arenas and my, like I'm, we're all sudden playing for like an hour and a half, yeah, an hour 15. And I'm like, I'm, doing the same thing, but I'm getting puffed out and I can't project my voice or anything because I never learned how to do any of this. Like I never learned how to actually scream or the mechanics of it or how to sing. Right. So I got a camera shoved down my throat to see if I'd done any vocal damage. And I was like, this is where they tell me like, you've got nodules or like there's something going on. Yeah. And I never had learned how to sing because I was like, I've been doing this for years. My voice is screwed. There's no way I can ever go beyond doing this. That's the reason like I was artistically stunted to a degree as well. It was just like that talk yourself down. And they, they put the camera down. They're like, whatever you're doing, just keep doing that because your, your throat's fine. <laughs> your vocal cords are fine. Wow. I was like, I did not expect was, that to be what you were going to say. Dude, <laughs> it was the biggest shock. Like I was sitting in there just going, well, there's 10 seconds until I get the news that my career has like a year left and then I've got to stop doing it or I've got throat cancer or something like that. So it was the exact opposite result of what I was expecting. And it was literally like watching the doors open like of my mind of like, there's no reason for you to limit yourself anymore. And that's when I was like, right, going to learn how to sing, going to learn how to do all these other things so I can express myself better because I've always wanted to do it. I just figured I can't. And I went to vocal coaches and like, I went to like Melissa Cross and everything just oh, to yeah. like go, yo, how do you actually do this and stuff? And she was like, you already know how to do it. You're the one like I tell people that he knows how to do, just do what he does. <laughs> <laughs> that was a trip. Like there was a lot of stuff that I yeah. learned myself, but actually like going down the journey of, of, knowing how your body even functions when you sing. And it was, a, was it's been amazing for me. And that just developed into like the art form that, that I have being more expressive, which is really, but the imposter part of it, like, yeah, it fell away with that. And it fell away with all of us in terms of, we just kind of had like, we had to look at the shows and be really realistic and have like, look at ourselves and go, come on. It's been at this point in time, a third of our lives doing this. Yep. We can say, we can talk to each other and go, I know what I'm doing with my instrument and I know what I'm doing when I'm on the stage. That's okay. You don't have to say, we're just a bunch of idiots. Like every interview would be like, right. how's your band do this? And you'd be like, I don't know. Got no idea. We're just idiots. We don't know how to play. That's literally what we would say, right. which is so stupid in, Like when you look back at it. But I mean- no one wants to be that young kid on tour that's like, I know my shit. I'm really good. Like, for sure, I have some for sure. confidence. <laughs> for sure. Because, like, yeah, it's, it's just a hard thing to like grow into. So, 10 years it took us. Yeah. But it's nice to be on the other side of that. Well, <laughs> let me ask you this question. And this, this might be a hard one. 
Now, because it's been so long, we're talking about one show you've played since 2019. Yeah. And, you know, this U.S. tour got canceled and now you're, yep. you got this new record and you're going to be, uh, you know, taking this to Europe with um, uh, While She Sleeps and Lorna Shore. Some big shows. I mean, shows. are you... Are you nervous about this? Are you excited? <laughs> I mean, what's the honest truth? Because I'd be pretty fucking nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I tell you what, until yesterday's practice, I was I had nerves like I, I possibly had never had before. Right. Um, because like we've only just started properly jamming again. And it takes it takes like a good month, month and a half for my conditioning of my voice to come back. Yeah. And like I'm 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 singing these new songs and like the gear fully hasn't engaged. Like it's a different thing from singing them in the studio with takes to just like going, yep. bam, song. The whole thing full out, exactly how it's supposed to be. Like yep. you've got to figure out where your breathing is. You've got to like figure out that clutch control with like your your vocal tones and everything. And um yesterday was the first time when it all engaged and like all of a sudden the scream was back, like the pitch was on, everything was hitting it all. And I was like, oh my God, this is what it feels like again. I haven't felt this in th like three years, like other than the New Year's gig, which was like a, a one-off amazing event. <laughs> but right. but before then it was like, oh shit, it's back. It's actually back. Life, it, like this, this thing that we do is starting up again. Is it going to work? Is my voice going to work? Like, is it actually, like, or is it gone? Who knows? Am I going to scream again and just go, here we go, lads, let's start the song. Hey! Oh, <laughs> right. <crap>. Like right. <laughs> a deflating balloon. <laughs> so up until then, I had a bit of nerves surrounding it. Now all I have is anticipation and excitement. Because, um, I mean, if that's back and we're feeling good and, like, we know the work, and the songs are really awesome to play. Like I'm, I'm loving the new stuff that we have. I'm loving the old stuff that we are still playing. The show, the, the like, at this point in time, I could play to one person. <laughs> like we could rock up at literally like this is supposed to be the biggest tour we've ever done. Like the biggest venues we've ever done. Insane ticket sales. But for all I know, there's going to be some wild thing happen. There's going to be an outbreak of I don't know, <laughs> like, like donkey swine or something. And there's going to be one person standing in it like an arena. And that's the gig that goes on. I'd still just go. This is the best thing ever, because um, it's I'm, I just love doing it. I love jamming with my friends, and then being able to like these days, it's grown to the point where like not only am I jamming with my friends, but like we're playing in an arena, and we're like, well, what do you want to put in an arena-sized venue? Like, what does the stage look like? What are the, what's the lighting? Re what's the story you're going to tell when you play? What's it's just this gigantic sandbox of that's only limited by what we want to put into it financially and imagination and emotion. Right. That's it. Which is crazy. Crazy. Like it's crazy for that to come back and to still have the passion for it. Like I'm saying more now than we did then. Like it, it, it lights a fire inside you that, um, that I don't know if I've ever felt before because I've never had what I love be taken away in this way. Yeah. Like just the, like in terms of the passion of just what we do as an art, it really was like, I got, we got, like I said, the snowball was rolling and like, we were just in this thing, which was a constant growth, constant evolution of life. And then it was like, I know you loved it, but you can't do that anymore for like three years. And we got a little taste coming back on New Year's Eve, which was amazing, but it was so fleeting that, um, that the feelings left me again. Like, <laughs> like it's all, it's all just like bled out of me. The emotions bled out of me of like, of like being able to remember how it feels wow. to stand on stage and, um, and have that connection with your, your art and your audience. And, and, uh, it is something that you really can't describe. And the fact that like, I'm three weeks away from being able to do that and have like been able to create this really awesome show that goes along with it is so freaking fun, man. Awesome. It's like, it's fun. <laughs> awesome. Well, yes, the Europeans are getting it first. The tour kicks off yeah. in Leipzig, Germany on September 9th, which is also the date that the record comes out. What is that? What, what a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've, um, I don't know if it's a smart move or a, or a, or a, a bad move, but either way, yeah, they're going to be, they're going to be getting it. So, <laughs> 
yeah, I got a lot of a lot to be excited about, man. A lot to be excited about. Well, uh, you you do, and uh, it's very exciting. The the two new singles are great. Can't wait to hear the rest of the record. Um, oh, everybody get needs get to- ready. People, people are ready. People are very ready. Um, the Europeans are lucky. I assume after this is in the books, you're going to be trying to do some more stuff, um, in the U S and and in uh, Australia. Yeah. I think we're piecing together some U S stuff now. Um, we're playing like ship rocked. I think it's the start of, uh, 2023. Um, and we're putting, we're trying to piece together some dates surrounding that at this point in time. It's like, it's a, it's one of those difficult times a year, like when it's cold as hell in North America and like, it literally becomes difficult to go. How are we going to get from A to B? Because there's a lot of ice there. So <laughs> yeah, you're not we're used doing, to it. We're That's doing what, sure. we, what we can, but like <laughs> basically it's full steam ahead for us in terms of like booking things on the way back. If things haven't been announced, it's not because things haven't been planned. It's just like we're, we're trying to get this whole thing back up and running from a complete cold start. It's like going from literally turning the key to trying to get all the way back up to the seventh gear straight down the autobahn within a couple of months. And uh, it's a big thing to grapple with. It's really, it's really awesome, but um, we don't want to half-ass this thing. So when, when you see dates, you know, they're legit. So yeah, we don't want to be, we want to be out of the, the times of disappointment and, and, um, and chaos and back into a more stable era. Well, dude, thank you so much for taking the time, man. Um, so much oh, exciting pleasure. stuff. And, and thanks for reminiscing with me a little bit about the old days, uh, as well. Yeah, man. Love it. Uh, before I let you go, anything else to tell the people? No, not really. Other like, I'm, I always say it whenever I get the opportunity, just thanks. Like, Thanks. Like it's a really basic thing to say, but like, man, thank you so much for, for giving us the chance to, to do what we do because it really is like, it's, it's created lives for so many people like that, that you would not understand, like within our band and our crew and has given us something which I never believed we would have, like being able to do what we're passionate about and continue doing it. And at the end of the day, like that means more than anything that anyone could ever truly understand for real. So cheers. If you, even if you'd like, you liked one song back in the day or you've listened to us all the way up until now, like we have nothing but gratitude and that'll be the way it is until the day we die. Beautiful, beautiful words, Winston. Thank you so much, man, for taking the time and uh, hope to see you out there uh, on the circuit somewhere. Yeah. Yep. Look forward to linking up, man. Cheers. Thank you very much. So there it is with Winston what an absolute legend that guy is so honest well spoken so much there to dissect and i wish them all the best with this new album and tour and everything else they got going on it sounds like they're going to be very very busy now that they're back at it thanks again so much for tuning in if you like the podcast please write a review on iTunes preferably five stars hit that subscribe button check out the all access club and next week we're going to be back with another super super cool guest I speak to Tom from punk band No Trigger an absolute awesome awesome band with an incredible new record so make sure You check that one out as well. And of course, every Friday, me and music guru Mike Howell, we talk about all the new records coming out on New Noise. So check that out as well. I will leave you with a tune. Here's a new one from Parkway Drive from the new album. This song is called Glitch. Peace and love. See you next week.